Hi, I'm Tefer Ajemian. I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! This week we're talking about Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. Dread Nation is a historical zombie novel. It's about the antebellum period, except uh, in this world, the Civil War gave birth to a zombie plague, mm-hmm. and there are zombies. Yeah. Uh, so the landscape looks quite different, the political landscape, the mm-hmm. Social landscape looks quite different. Um, In Mm -hmm. this world, black and native children are sent to schools to be educated to fight zombies. Mm -hmm. Sort of like finishing schools because of racism. Yeah. And uh, the (laughs) the protagonist, Jane, is one of the children sent to one of these schools. Jane is Mm -hmm. the daughter of a kind of mysterious... Uh, white female plantation owner Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah it's about uh, her and her friends and adventures and utopia that turns into dystopia and it's really good it's very good (laughs) it's very well imagined yeah I Um, found the vibe feels a lot to me like uh, Sweet Far Thing the Great and Terrible Beauty books by Libba Bray which are similarly historical with a fantasy twist yeah yeah I can see that yeah Yeah. it's very I mean it's just it's an intricately designed world Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting because I've never read a historical dystopia before, but it's basically a historical dystopia, mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting how she like weaves zombies into history in a way that's extremely believable. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like zombies aren't believable, but like how the society reacts to it is very like, yeah, I can see that that would happen. Yeah. The thing that I found really unique about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not super well versed in zombie lore. I, I haven't spent I. a lot of time on it. But from my limited knowledge of zombie <laughs> fiction, often they're, they're, the fiction about zombies is placed right at the outbreak of the zombie virus or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Often. It's often like society. And then society breaks down when the zombies show up. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's really interesting because at the beginning of the book, it's mm-hmm. really framed as the zombie plague is pretty much under control. There are still some zombies, mm-hmm. but like we have fortified cities. You can avoid them. Yeah. Like like the setup, if I, if I remember it correctly, is so Jane, the main character, is at a school to become an attendant, which is basically like... It's like a, a bodyguard. It's like a maid slash bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, she talks about how like the market for attendance has gone down because the zombies are really not as bad so a lot of people don't think they need yeah. attendance anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I find placing it sort of in the same way Station Eleven was interesting because it yes. placed the the main action like 
after the initial cataclysmic event. Well, I mean, so Station Eleven was interested, be interesting mm. because it was right during the cataclysmic event, and usually you see hundreds of years after. Yeah, and that was different from its genre. Mm-hmm. This I find really interesting because it's after. Yeah, that's true. Event, oh, right. Well, when yeah, everybody's no, kind of used to yeah. zombies. Um, yeah, I f- yeah, yeah. That's true. I'm getting Station Eleven wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And that that just, I think, is a neat choice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the other really cool thing about this book is mm-hmm. that it's historical fiction written um, in the voice of a black protagonist from a black author. And yes. that's something we see here and there, but not so much in young adult fiction. No. Um, and not very much in adult fiction. I'm thinking of, you know, there's Book of Negroes. There's, mm-hmm. There are, are books here yeah. and there. But, but not um, a lot. But not a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really neat to see fantasy, which at least in my head is a very white genre. Yes. In, yes. In my experience, fantasy tends to be white and often problematic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna potentially argue well, maybe it's often problematic. I I read a lot more fantasy than That's you, true. so I have definitely like found some really good less yeah. problematic fantasy. But yes, often white. Usually white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say the fantasy I've read has been mostly older stuff, like yeah, um, before people were actively trying not to be problematic. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. What was your kind of general feeling around this book? Yeah. So it- this, my reading of this book was interesting. So I'm gonna. I'm going to give like my initial, which is that you can tell that this is a really good book because I mostly liked it and I hate zombie fiction with a passion. Um, I just like zombies like skeeve me the heck out and I generally avoid them. (laughs) Um, But I liked this book despite the heavy featuring of zombies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it took me a little while to get into it, but then once I got into it... um, I was I was into it and it was it was good. Yeah, it's I mean the world is so well constructed. I think is yeah. like one of my main the 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 main thing that I like. Mm-hmm. The the biggest takeaways the world is just like so it's so eerily like realistic and mm-hmm. that the psychology of it is very like you can see how that would have happened and I find like the way she weaves zombies into history is mm-hmm. very very cool and very interesting. Um, and then I also really like the way that the relationship between Jane and Catherine evolves. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I, I'm really a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to spend mm-hmm. some time talking about that. Yeah, I was really struck by the attention to detail in the yes. world building. Um, yeah, especially this one detail is that horses are extinct. Mm-hmm. Because the zombies like to eat horses. Yeah, because zombies uh, will eat anything alive, yeah. basically. Yeah, and I just found that so interesting. So mm-hmm. it means that steam power has kind of evolved faster, and there are steam powered yes. cars called ponies mm-hmm. uh, because there were no horses anymore and they had mm-hmm. to develop horses. Yeah. Or, or an alternative to <laughs> horses quickly mm-hmm. and that kind of sparked technology. Um, and there really is, you do see that. I mean, it's around a time when already technology was starting, the industrial age was starting. Mm-hmm. It's the late 1800s. But you see kind of uh, an advancement to electricity, a mm-hmm. necessity begetting inv- invention. Yeah. Yes. That's just very clever 
and well thought out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like everything in the world building makes so much sense, which yeah. is why I think I like the world building yeah. so much. Uh, she pays attention to fashion evolving, which is another thing. Oh, yeah. Fashion, which... the attention to fashion <laughs> in this book really struck me. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. You know, they're looking at the clothes the shamblers, those are the zombies are wearing to mm-hmm. date them and to figure out. Yeah, true. Is this a new outbreak or are these old ones that we haven't mm-hmm. gotten to yet yeah um she's talking about the way women's hemlines have gotten shorter because <laughs> you need to be able to run yeah uh and corsets are like kind of in fashion but also kind of going out of fashion because you need to be able to mm-hmm. run yeah there's the um, running the running joke between the two main characters of like are you seriously wearing a corset right yeah. now yeah <laughs> which is pretty good i also really appreciate that jane despite being a kick-ass very practical heroine Mm -hmm. uh really loves clothes and that comes up as part of her character yeah true she talks about her favorite colors and the clothes she likes Mm -hmm. to wear and being excited about having pretty things and being disappointed when she can't um and i feel so often there's that trope especially in fantasy i found yeah in fantasy with fighting girls there is a trope often of like i don't like pretty things yeah yeah i just like weapons yeah jane kind of has both of those things because she does really like weapons jane likes weapons and pretty things and boys and girls and like (laughs) oh my goodness yeah when jane just it's just like jane's casually by now yeah did a little happy dance i really love (laughs) that the the character who's really into relationships and kissing is the take no prisoners kick everybody down yeah and the asexual aromantic character <laughs> is the is the beautiful fashionable sort mm-hmm. of um like the classic girls girls girl yeah yeah, yeah, I really love that. I love yes. that it's just one little conversation. Yes, yeah, it's, I love it's just so casually slipped in there. Mm-hmm. Casual um, queers, casually existing. Casual queers, casually existing. Yeah, um, you know, I love, I love that bit yeah. very, very much. I'm um, also really excited because by the ending of the book, I'm fairly sure there are going to be more, and yeah. I can't wait yeah once i was like 100 pages from the end i was like this is gonna have sequels right because there's no way they're wrapping yeah. this completely up in the next 100 yeah. pages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i feel like there's because there were some characters who were like dropped in and then we didn't really hear what happened to them and i yeah. feel like we're gonna have to come back and like see what happened to gideon and yeah like yeah love gideon yes. okay so that's general <laughs> that's our general kind of general feelings takeaways let's get into some precision work here let's yeah. talk about let's talk about jane and Catherine first yes because you were saying you really want to talk about them i really want to talk about them yeah well i love how their relationship evolves mm-hmm. throughout the book because at the beginning of the book um they basically just like have a petty rivalry and hate each other's guts and by the end of the book, they're like best friends and comrades in arms. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, I really, I mean, and I think a lot of that evolution is Jane starting to sort of see Catherine as more of a whole person and like gaining respect for her and yeah. not like just sort of judging her based on surface things and not being jealous of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love, I just love how it plays out. I love that it's also not like, because I think often when you have that dynamic of like enemies to friends, Mm -hmm. it's the person who was the enemy of the main character becomes not an asshole. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this case, it's really like the main character stops 
being an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like realizes that she's well, it, she doesn't like have like a revelation of reality, but she just sort of slowly grows to know her as an actual person and is like oh she's pretty cool yeah um yeah yeah one thing i'm really looking forward to in subsequent books please (laughs) please um is a little bit more information on Catherine. yeah because we really get this sense so jane has always been kind of had a chip on her shoulder about Catherine because Catherine is passing she's she's very light-skinned she's blonde Mm -hmm. um and she's beautiful and she's beautiful. Uh, she has beautiful manners. Mm-hmm. And Jane has kind of always assumed that life has just been really easy for Catherine. Yes. That she probably has grew up well to do. Mm-hmm. That she probably came from, you know, fairly wealthy family. Uh, family. And that's really interesting because actually... That's, that's Jane's, Jane's background. <laughs> that's Jane's background. Yeah. Jane is from a wealthy family. Jane, mm-hmm. we find out, has really also not had an easy time of it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so interesting to me that Jane has this big chip on her shoulder thinking Catherine comes from this background that's very similar to Jane's. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow thinks that that Catherine must have had a very easy time. Yeah. And we, towards the end of the book, we I think we figure out why that is. Yeah. That Jane thinks that Catherine must have had a much easier time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very interesting how that plays out. Mm-hmm. I really love the detail of finding out that Catherine has pretty manners because she grew up in a brothel. Yeah rather than a fancy house. Mm-hmm. I like the fairly neutral tone taken towards sex work. Yeah. That, you know, there's there's the duchess who mm-hmm. runs the brothel. She's the madam. And she is just one of the kindest people. Yeah. Which is kind of a trope sometimes. But, mm-hmm. but you she's really, more complex than that, too. Yes. And I like that there's very much the sense of... You know, I think Jane even says something to this effect mm-hmm. at some point. What's really the difference between mm-hmm. sex work and other kinds of labor? What's really the difference between sex work and wearing your body out fighting zombies because you yeah. don't have another choice? You know, it's mm-hmm. sort of either way your body is being monetized. Yeah. Like, does it really matter in which way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and also pointing out that, you know, in this world, sex work is less risky than fighting the shamblers because, yeah. like, sure, you might get a disease, there's the risk of that, but, like, it's a much lower risk than getting bitten by a zombie, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, like, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate, Kat, like, in general, Jane... And and it seems like that their their circle have very kind of frank attitudes to things like sex and sex yeah. work and sexuality in mm-hmm. general. And yeah, it's it's great. Well, there's really this understanding of kind of having a transactional existence, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they do, you know, they're not very far from a world where black people were treated as livestock. That comes up. The mm-hmm. idea of black people being livestock. Somebody yeah. calls them that in the book. Mm-hmm. Slavery is technically illegal, but, you know, people get away with sharecropping or yeah. paying and people, you know, $2 a year or whatever. All practices which happened. Oh, yeah. All practices which happened actually in in the States, mm-hmm. in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why it's so... Yeah realistic yeah this world and yeah. jane and jane thinks a lot jane spends a lot of time thinking about about sort of the legacy of slavery and how 
things are different and how things are not that different and and all of that yeah well like like we were saying like it's so well done how the Mm -hmm. history is woven in did you read the afterword of the book only if it was on the uh audiobook Okay, I don't know. I was I reading it on an so. ebook. Mm-hmm. So the the afterwards, she talks about how um, the idea for the book is based on, um, like the the Indian residential schools in the states, mm-hmm. um, and how like the school that um, Redfern Redfern Mr. Redfern uh, talks about in the book is based on an actual institution that mm-hmm. existed at the time. And so, yeah, it's just, it's very well done and eerie how, like, you can imagine these these horrible institutions that did exist being, yeah, being changed this way yeah. if there were zombies. Absolutely. It's yeah. completely... It's completely believable. Completely like, believable. Yeah. If there had been, if zombies were real and there had been a zombie uprising during the Revolutionary War? Mm-hmm. Revolutionary War. I don't know very much U.S. history. <laughs> it was after the Civil War. Okay. So, yeah. Like, th- I think this is exactly what would have happened. Honestly, I don't think it's that far from what might happen Yeah, in certain circles. Yeah. Because that's the other thing with this book, is that mm-hmm. you do have the two political parties. You have yes. the uh, egalitarians mm-hmm. and the... Oh, no, what survivalists. are they The survivalists. And the survivalists believe in advancing white people above everybody else mm-hmm. at, to, like, have a higher chance of survival, basically. Like, yeah. they should... You need to prioritize somebody, so we should prioritize white people. Mm-hmm. And egalitarians do not believe that. Yeah, and, well, the survivalists are really still also sort of on the idea of, like, essential difference. Yeah. And, like, this is the only work that people of color are kind of suited to do mm-hmm. which um, is an attitude that still exists oh absolutely like, you know poor black people get treated very differently from poor white people mm-hmm. and you have the prison industrial system yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. yeah the the other part of this book that really mm-hmm. appeals to me is how much i find current social criticism is in it yes um yes Especially with the big focus on border walls. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so Jane mm-hmm. and Catherine, it's really yeah. an, uh, an exercise in kind of overcoming biases as you get to know somebody as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and understanding, I think when we talk, we talk about privileged landscape, understanding that, yes, Catherine has light skin and passing privilege, mm-hmm. but that has its own... That has its own baggage Pitfalls, that comes with yeah. it. And it mm-hmm. has, yeah, that, how, how that is explored in like the last third of the book is really, really well done, I yeah, think. Absolutely. Um, um, well, especially because Catherine, there's a whole section of the book where Catherine is passing as a white woman. Yeah. Uh, which Jane, initially, Jane makes that happen without mm-hmm. Catherine's consent. She doesn't check with Catherine first. She spontaneously. Yeah does that and makes she, that choice and she assumes that she's doing a unilaterally good thing for Catherine by doing this yes yeah and then later it kind of gets perpetuated because it becomes useful it becomes useful mm-hmm. to Jane it becomes useful to her cause yeah um and at no point does she really check in with Catherine yeah and say hey are you cool with this mm-hmm. are you okay with this yeah because it's something that Jane envies right yeah yeah Jane you don't you don't see till the end of the book the extent to which she does, but yeah, she yeah. she certainly wishes that she could pass like like. Well, Catherine yeah, Pappen I mean, she wishes passes. she didn't have to go fight out zombies. She wishes she yeah. was living in a nice house, like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And um, the way that yeah, the way that that's dealt with is just really 
um, sensitive, Mm -hmm. I think, to both sides. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the whole whole thing with Catherine and with, with her passing or not passing is also just a really good exploration of, like the ridiculousness of that like how just like attitudes towards race and and just like how weird we are about it well there are other people who know a lot more about this than I do Mm -hmm. but I've seen a lot of discussion around it on native twitter right now how Mm -hmm. white attitudes towards non-white people are so weird yeah so like with the Indian act in Canada Mm -hmm. it's like if you have this percentage Yeah, the whole, like, blood quantum thing. Yeah, yeah, which is just, um, again, like, not something I'm an expert on, so I'm not going to make some big statement about it. But that's something that's worth looking up um, Mm -hmm. because I think it's something that enriches this reading for sure. Yeah. And also just kind of the treating all non-white people the same. Like, obviously... You know, being black is the same as being Mohawk or like, mm-hmm. and, and that's not true yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and I did really enjoy, I would like to see more of Redfern. I wish yeah. Redfern had been more of a character. I hope we see more of him. I feel like, I hope him. we're going to see, that's why I think that there's going to be a sequel. I, I, I think, think that he has, has to, to come back and we yeah. have to learn more about yeah. him. I think we have to learn more about Gideon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a few other people, but... Um, but I really enjoy when Jane Fritz meets Redfern. Mm-hmm. She has a, a really jarringly stereotypical view of him. Oh yes. And I found it just just like yeah, it was it was jarring. I got to this point and I was like, this is not how we talk about people in this book. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's it was really very interesting. it was very interesting to see that interplay of her having these assumptions about him, these assumptions where mm-hmm. she thought their experience would be the same or his experience would be better or yeah. somehow he was better suited to things. Um, and then she kind of wonders why he has this giant chip on his shoulder. <laughs> and, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very, very well done. Yeah. And it's it's interesting in general that was making me think of this, how much Jane really catalogs people according to their skin color and sort of evaluates everyone she meets um, on kind of like their degree of blackness Mm -hmm. and yeah there's just there's so much there yeah (laughs) Um, yeah like I think uh, this goes back to Jane as a character but the book does a really good job of making her a very believable flawed full person yeah, absolutely. Um, like, obviously, she knows that the way that black people are being treated is wrong and that slavery is wrong. But she still, you see her kind of internalized prejudices come through. And yeah, she's she's very good. She's very well written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one thing on the kind of grander sca- scope of mm-hmm. the book, if I can take just like a wider view for yeah, a second, yeah. that yeah. I love in this mm-hmm. book is... You know, it's a zombie world. It's a world with zombies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's definitely fantasy mm-hmm. uh, landscape. But the antagonists in the book, the bad guys in the book, oh, yeah, not. are white men who <laughs> manipulate the situation to gain power over other people. Yep. <laughs> um, and there was a quote that's really mm-hmm. from towards the end of the book. Yeah. That I got from Jane is speaking to one of these men. Mm-hmm. And she says, the problem in this world ain't sinners or even the dead. It is men who will step on anyone who gets in the way of their pursuit of power. 
mm-hmm. and that's absolutely a theme in the book is sort of yes there are zombies but the zombies are kind of handled but then there are these people who will take the scenario and twist it to fit their agenda mm-hmm. we'll say this is punishment that's a big one that comes up this is divine punishment on us yes. for not keeping black people down like this is punishment for challenging slavery because Mm -hmm. god wants to curse the tribes of ham Mm -hmm. Uh, and the way that we will rid ourselves of this scourge is by restoring the natural order yep um and so we see we see religious men manipulating the situation Mm -hmm. we see political manipulation of the situation it's something that again my my knowledge of the zombie canon is limited but it's something that i haven't seen a lot yeah where the antagonists are not the monsters Mm -hmm. the antagonists are exactly the same people who are always the antagonists so the people who will take any situation and try to spin it to benefit themselves yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um yeah i I don't have a lot of knowledge of zombie canon either but i feel like it often is i think you were saying this to me before we started recording that often it's kind of like the zombie apocalypse comes apocalypse comes and all the people are kind of united against the threat right Um, and like it suddenly doesn't matter who you are how much money you have because once you're bitten you're all the same i think that's very calm that's also just common in general i think in apocalyptic literature yeah generally is that it's kind of like well there's the apocalypse so nobody's racist anymore um which like like racism is is like a luxury (laughs) it's beautiful but also like unrealistic i think this is much more realistic sadly well Um, because realistically like what happens if there's the zombie apocalypse the people who can pay money will pay the people who desperately need need money money. to give their lives to protect them yeah like uh the war industrial complex a little bit Uh uh-huh um and then there's there's also there's the there's the there's the element in this as well that like so jane's at a combat school but she's at the good combat school She's at the school that her mother was able to pay to get her into that actually trains her well. Whereas, like, most of the people are at kind of shoddy schools that don't actually teach you how to survive. I hadn't thought of that. Um, But that's, like, an excellent, excellent point. Yeah, like, there's a reason why, like, Jane kind of is so horrified and, like, rallies everyone at the... in, uh, in Summerland is because she she was actually trained how to fight well. Yeah. And she's actually used to having good weapons. She's used um, to being treated a certain way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched um, any scandal? Probably not. No. It's not your type. No. Um I feel like there are parallels to be made with scandal. Okay. So if you're somebody who watches scandal, <laughs> holler at me and we will talk about how it parallels scandal. <laughs> um so I wanna read a quote that I feel like sort of goes with the theme we've been talking about. Um which, again, just like scathing political commentary in mm-hmm. this book. Um, yes, and that's what I've told my father for years. But he's convinced that if you can sell people in a dream of security and prosperity, then the facts are irrelevant. That's Gideon, right? Yeah, that's Yeah, Gideon. he's the son of the mayor of Baltimore, and he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, because what Mm -hmm. happens, so the mayor of Baltimore has established this kind of experimental town in Kansas Mm -hmm. that has a wall around it. Yeah. And the idea is that it offers perfect security. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's so secure that there are horses in this town. Yeah, yeah, and um, children can play. And yeah, you know, at first it seems like it works, but then you know you find out more and more and more about the cost of how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and even how, like, I think the first thing that bothers Jane and that bothers you as a reader is how it's not even well set up because <laughs> so they have they have it being defended by. Um, by basically black people that they've kidnapped from various places, um, but not adequately defended because they don't actually give them real weapons and they don't have like training and and all of this. Oh, so see, so I think I have a slightly different view on why that is than you do. Okay, interesting. I'm uh, not entirely sure what my view on it is, but okay, go. So I think it's inadequately protected mm-hmm. because there needs to be a threat. Because Mm. if the threat doesn't exist anymore, then Summerland is just a shitty town in Kansas. (laughs) I I think that they're very deliberately not wiping out the zombies around Mm -hmm. the town so that they can maintain that fear and so that nobody will leave. Mm. And so that all of the black people they have running the town won't run away. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's pretty clear... It's. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. a sense I got is that the white men in power want there to still be zombies. Oh yeah, no. It like it's definitely deliberate that it's that it's not badly defended. That mm-hmm. that is a theory that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought specifically about the the maintaining a threat angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought more about the disposability. There's also that. Like yeah, there's that's a clear attitude of disposability. Right. Why does Donald Trump have to make it seem like a bunch of families trying to yeah. uh, seek asylum in the U.S. are a threat? Are a threat, yeah. Because you need to have a threat for people to be rallied around. To be a totalitarian, you need to have a threat. You need to have a threat. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, of course, it comes back to bite them in the ass because the threat gets too big. Yeah. Um, well, they create an actual threat. They create by, by they trying... allow an actual threat to mm-hmm. yeah persist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so well done. It's so well done, and it's just what I was really struck by toward the end of the book is like mm-hmm. basically Jane, for all her faults, like as soon as she com- becomes in control, mm-hmm. there is a good plan about yes. it. Because it's almost like the people have, who have been trained to fight the Shamblers are the are right the people to be running the show when there's mm-hmm. a bunch of Shamblers coming at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also, I think I think that this goes on the, the point, there's, a, there's this really disturbing thread running through the book that I think Jane doesn't understand at the beginning and then starts to understand near the end of um, the power of the white men is more important than the safety even of the other white people. Mm-hmm. Because there are a few times near the beginning and then again near the end where Jane kind of breaks decorum to save people's lives. Yeah. And that is not okay. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. Do you want to talk about like some of those? Yeah. So moments? so the first, so there's a moment near the beginning where they're going to this, her and the girls from her school, she's still at school, are going to this lecture um, with this professor who thinks he's developed a vaccine. And so he allows someone to get bitten by Shamblers on stage after having given him the vaccine. And then he starts that the guy the gets bitten. The vaccine turns, doesn't work. The vaccine doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. um, and so Jane's kind of, well, <laughs> Jane, like, I think even before he does that is like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> Don't do it. And then, of course, he turns into a zombie and so Jane guns the zombies down and nobody dies well i think the 
the one dude, the doctor dude dies. The, nobody who doesn't deserve to dies. <laughs> no, yeah, nobody does deserve to. Um, and she like gets seriously chewed out for that. And then there's another there's another similar scene later where she's at this dinner party and somebody turns into a zombie during the mm-hmm. middle of the dinner party and she shoots the zombie in the head before he can do anything. And again, she gets seriously chewed out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect of those two yeah. scenarios is that she finds out much later that while she got chewed out for it and kind of got away with it, there were other girls, other attendants who got sent to Summerland and essentially yes. got a death sentence for it. Yes. Um, and I think one of the really significant threads in this mm-hmm. book is Jane learning about the consequences of her actions, not for herself, but for other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and that's very that's a really well we talked about it with Catherine mm-hmm. with her sort of rashly saying oh yeah she's white yeah um, but Jane mm-hmm. Jane is so interesting because she is black and she is functionally enslaved mm-hmm. uh, but she does also move through the world with a level of privilege that mm-hmm. a lot of other people don't have but then she sort of slowly realizes that a lot of that privilege does isn't actually there it's kind of her own perception yeah well it's and a lot of it comes from the way she was raised yeah. and and that she's educated and that she and always has this assumption that Rose Hill is there for her to go back to. Yes. Her, she is supposed to inherit a plantation from her mother. Mm-hmm. She can always go back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that she can't because mm-hmm. it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of as she's coming to that understanding, she's starting to come to the understanding of her own limitations. Yeah. Um, and her own consequences and and in that Mm -hmm. way it really is a coming of age book as in a good YA novel is yes um do we want to talk a little bit about what we've been dancing around with Catherine real quick before we wrap up oh like uh like with like the revelation Jane's mom sure sure go on into it so so the thing that's really interesting that Jane sort of that that gets revealed to us at the end of the book and then that we figure out with Kat so we find out that Catherine um, is really upset with Jane for for basically putting her into the position of impersonating a white woman because she feels like she's living a lie and she feels like she's betraying her people and she's also in the position of having to kind of listen to and agree with all these slurs. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's just a really painful position for her to be in, which mm-hmm. Jane hasn't thought about at all because then we find out at the end of the book that the story that we've been told throughout that Jane's mother had an affair with a field hand and that's where Jane comes from is not actually what happened. Her father was Jane's mother's white husband. Jane's mother is white passing. Yeah. Um, and so Jane was just a lot darker than her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just, it makes the, it makes the her and Catherine dynamic really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just really interesting how her eyes are opened to the fact that like being white passing isn't necessarily the blessing she thinks yeah. it is. Well, and the other thing that happens is she's mm-hmm. finally gotten her mother's letters and be reading through them. Yes. And she gets the part in her, in her mother's letters where her mother who had remarried to be in mm-hmm. a position of security, her yes. husband found out Mm-hmm. And she lost everything. Yeah. And just this this position of precariousness, the the lengths it drove her mother to at times. And I think mm-hmm. we should save some for yeah. people who haven't read it yes. yet. Um, yeah. But just that it, it was a position mm-hmm. that more or less drove her mother mad. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, li- Trying to living keep the this. Yeah. It's just a book that deals really sensitively and in nuanced ways with 
with identity and the social mm-hmm. everything that surrounds it yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um it's really heartbreaking at times i mean oh, yes. just yeah i uh, i think writing a smart zombie novel is like really a masterpiece mm-hmm. that might be my snobbery showing i like i said like i don't know i don't know somebody's gonna kick me for this <laughs> but like i feel like so often zombie fiction is very clearly like there are zombies fight the zombies mm-hmm. and either everyone dies or i think just everyone dies I, I don't know that zombie fiction ever ends with the zombies actually getting exterminated yeah i don't know well it's again it's that what you were pointing out yeah. that like the zombies aren't actually the enemy in this book yeah exactly um which makes how which makes the resolution of the book make a lot more sense. I think I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't a more clear like, all right, we've figured out how to put down the Chambler threat because it's yeah. like no, but the, they weren't actually the antagonists yeah. ever. Well, yeah, because throughout um, it, it's just like yeah, we pretty much figured out how to handle it. You know, always mm-hmm. burn your dead. We pretty much know how to end them. There don't seem to be new ones being made. We just kind of mm-hmm. have to wipe out the ones yeah. that are left. But yeah, it's not about the zombies. It's, it's about it's about men in power trying to maintain their power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, hopefully in, you know, I don't know, some hundred years, it'll be that there are also women in power doing horrible things in the name of power. <laughs> uh, on Scandal, that's definitely the case. Yeah. I mean, like, there yeah. are a couple women who are involved in the machine of these plots. Yeah, absolutely. But they're not the... Um... They're usually, though... Um, seeking power in the way that they can. Yes. So yeah. they've aligned themselves with the with wrong, <laughs> with the abusive party, but it's mm-hmm. really because they are scrabbling to have whatever power they can, they can yeah. when they're in a very disempowered situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's not Which the is same not as, an excuse, folks. <laughs> but it's not the same as, as yeah. women masterminding they're the power. Like, they're like the white feminists of the... Yeah. You know, white feminists TM, for those of you who can't, mm-hmm. you know, see that. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> white feminists, capital white, capital feminists, yeah, trademark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is one book that, while reading it, I'm just like, I want to sit down and talk to this author. I want to yes. talk to Justina Ireland. I want to hear how you this book i'd love to shoot her in <laughs> yeah <email>. absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah i just like i would love to just be like how did this happen how did this yeah. come out of your brain like, well, I, it's just well, like we've been saying it's so lush and just well it's so smart it's so it's so damn smart. i think she might be like the smartest person like i think she's i think she's probably a genius oh yeah yeah it's yeah. really good it's really good extremely smart yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's real good yeah um, um, if yeah. you tell anybody that it's a fantasy post-Civil War zombies book and they look at you askance, just just punch them in the face. <laughs> punch them in the face. Can I just leave us with one of my favorite quotes Absolutely. from this book? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's less profound, but it's really fun. I ain't yet seen the man who can do that. Maybe that's your problem. You've been waiting for a man. Nah. <laughs> who are who are those? Um. I forget who the man is, but the the, the second Jane. voice is Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. The man, oh. the man is like an unimportant side character. We didn't character. get a chance to talk about Red Jack, who I have a crush on. Oh yes, yeah. I mean you have a crush on because the anti- the protagonist has yes a mad crush on. Oh him. yeah, I think they're the OTP in this book. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so in the series rather. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I definitely like thought that they were setting up something between her and Red Jack, though, or or not Red. No, red red bone. What's Redfern. The, Redfern. I think Redfern's much older than her. Mm, maybe. I think I think Redfern is like a legitimate adult. They're okay. definitely also she's setting definitely something up like, with Gideon. She's definitely like, into him, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they're they're also she's very into Gideon. Gideon. She's very into Gideon. But I do feel like I feel like this is going to be a series, and I feel like she and Jack right. are going to be going to be end game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or he'll die because that happens sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, very good book. So good, so good. I really enjoyed reading this yeah. one. Like I said, um, I hate zombie fiction, and I liked this book. So I don't know if I hate zombie fiction. I loved it. It it had the same feel for me as my very beloved series by Libba Bray, okay. um, Great yeah. and Terrible Beauty. So that was really nice. I'm gonna add it to my mm-hmm. to my cozy. I need something <laughs> cozy weird and fantastical. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very good. I want. I I heard this one on audiobook on Scribd, and mm-hmm. I. I think I want to get an actual like copy Physical of this copy. book because I feel like yeah. I feel like I feel like I miss things when I listen to audiobooks. I, I definitely do. Yeah, and um, I know I miss things when I read them hard copy too. I just like yeah. I want both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like really notice that the chapters were opening with snippets of letters to her mother until I started reading it. I, mm. I listened to like the first bit of it on audiobook and then right. I found an ebook copy and I didn't like realize that that was happening until I had the ebook. Right. I was just usually listening to it while also managing the baby. Yeah. Um, so I think I missed some things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. It's uh, so good. Real good. Get your copy before the second one comes out. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to actually, I'm going to Google that. We're just assuming that. that there's a sequel. I'm assuming the paperback copy of this one isn't even out yet, but I'm going to, okay. I'm going to Google that because yeah. I want to know for sure. Yeah. It um, really feels like a sequel's being set up. Um, so I don't see anything about a sequel yet, but I feel fairly certain that mm-hmm. there will be a sequel i yeah i can't really see there not being a sequel mm-hmm. we would be um, sad the cover art is also gorgeous yes. and i want it like as art yeah <laughs> yeah it is it's very well it's like a it's like a beautiful like baroque painting but it's beautiful yeah yeah oh there is okay there's a there's a dread there's a dread nation too um we we don't know anything more about that yeah that's but it exists good so that's exciting (laughs) yes very exciting thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi send us an email at the yeah podcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at yeah podcast and individually at tefferbear and at the balesosaurus if you like the show and want to help us make it even better consider supporting us on patreon you can get all kinds of great perks including early access to bonus content shout outs guest appearances and more head to patreon.com slash yeahpodcast to donate. And shout out to our Patreon donors, Kat McGuire, Chantal Thomas, Catherine Wench, and Lizzie Tenhove. Thank you so much. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. That really helps the show grow, so we appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatna as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. On September 16, 1993, NBC aired the first ever episode of Frasier, a spin-off series about psychiatrist Dr. Frasier Crane, a much-loved Seattle shrink from Cheers. Ten days earlier, a baby was born. A baby who, we'd come to learn, was destined to have someone pay him $264 to watch through every episode of Frasier with different special guests, unpacking the deeper themes behind each episode. That baby is me, Tom Zalatni, and this is a terrible, terrible idea. Tune in to They're Calling Again, right here on the Upford Network.
I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upford Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomber? What are the environmental implications of using Pikachu to power a building? Will Misty ever get her bike back? Find out the answer to all these questions and more on Blasting Off Again. Available on the Upford Network, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're We're blasting blasting off again! again.